Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. We're going to head straight down to Pearland. John, thanks for calling in so early. That makes it a lot easier. <laughs> you don't have to make up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you got it exactly right. <laughs> well, listen, um, I'm thinking about putting a, a utility shed of some kind uh, <clears throat> in my backyard behind the garage. At least it will be to contain lawnmowers and uh, overflow of, of yard equipment. And at the most, it, it might be a, a little shop with my uh, saw and, and uh, table saw and stuff like that to do a little bit of of woodwork but this thing uh, is this, this thing sounds like it's growing from being a little shed well well <laughs> i think i, I think i want to go back to the little shed i don't want it to grow too bad um I, my question is the foundation yeah <laughs> because you know there are all kinds of options and i don't know which what you think the 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 best uh option least amount of hassle maybe those two aren't compatible but uh what, what what's your thoughts on something like that? Uh, at, are you, at most, at most, this would be a ten by twelve structure. Okay, and that's what I was going to ask. Are you ever going to make this big enough to park a vehicle or something like that in? And the no, answer is no. no at ten by twelve. So, no. uh, truthfully, I would not bother with a concrete slab. I I would put it on skids. Just some six by six treated six by six or something like that. Yeah, four treated four by six and and then uh, the the platform on top of it. Oh, okay. Do do I need to uh, excavate out under those and put gravel uh, uh, in there and lay them on on gravel or just uh, right on the on the? No, on the I, ground? I would I would set blocks. Uh, basically, I would have four base pads that are twenty four by twenty four inch each, uh, okay. and I would only have two. Four by six is running underneath. Uh, you said ten by twelve, so yeah. I would run them in the twelve foot direction, okay. and I'd come about two feet off of each side, and then put my two by sixes for floor joists on top of those. But set four two twenty four by twenty four inch base pads, one at each end of those four by sixes, uh, and right. probably. Put some blocks on top, like maybe a uh, uh, oh, an eight by eight by twelve on top, and that way, if you ever have to adjust it, it's easy to raise it up and down. Oh, uh, you, okay, right. And if if things if things settle, you mean it, it, it will move. It's it's gonna move, but that makes it real simple to to make the adjustment on it when it does move. Okay, so the 24-inch square uh, concrete blocks, and then uh, and, and and then the eight by yeah. eight by 12s on top of that. Yep. And then and then the 24-foot uh, uh, four. But did you say four by sixes or six by? I said six by six. I think. You, yeah, you, you said six by, by six, six, but four by six is all you need. Okay. All and right. then uh, keep keep make sure you keep those up off the ground. Now, if if it was a house, you'd have to have 18 <laughs> inches of clearance. But this isn't a house. Uh, but I I would want to keep those four by sixes at least six inches cleared off the ground. Yeah. Okay. Six inch minimum to right. All right. Well, that'll get me started. I'll start making some plans. Now, one other thing I would do 
everything underneath there should be treated. Uh, a lot of a, a lot of times people will use the four by sixes that are treated, but then the two by sixes they go with just regular lumber, and the plywood they go with regular lumber. Uh, you know, for the subfloor. Yeah. Make everything treated. Okay. From there Correct. up, your 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 walls and everything that can be untreated, but everything to do with that foundation and base and everything, make it treated. From the ground up until they hit wood, all that needs to be be treated. Yeah, till you hit the stud walls, it all needs to be treated. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Well, I'll get started, and I'll call you back in a few weeks. See, see what I did wrong. And, and as soon as you got yours done and, and it's, uh, you know, we got everything perfected on it, you can come over to my place and build me one, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a deal. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Take care, John. Yep. Bye now. Bye. You, you know, you got Labor Day coming up in a, in a few weeks. You get started. You can have this thing all done by then. And, you know, John, I should have I should have tossed this out to you. Just one last uh, side note here. Price your materials, and then I want you to do one other thing. Price having somebody come build it for you. And what you're probably going to find, if you call a place like uh, Tough Shed or someplace like that, you're probably going to find it ain't that big a cost difference to let them build it versus you doing it. And although not everything on the floor, uh, you know, the sub will be treated, what they do is they'll put down the 4x6 skids, and then on top of that, they're using metal instead of using uh, two by sixes. They're they're using metal, and it it works great. And you'll have a, a wonderful building. And I think you're going to find that the cost difference is so negligible that you don't want to do it yourself. So before, not every project is is a is a great do it yourself project. Some things you are better off to do money wise to hire somebody else to do it. So just price it out. I'm not I'm not saying you got to go that way, but I personally would would look at it before taking on building it all. Let's go to Sugarland and Mike, this is Jim. How can I help you? Uh hi, how you doing? Um on a bathroom remodel. Yeah. It's on the second floor. What are, are there any drawbacks to taking out a bathtub and replacing it with an with a walk-in shower? Is that just a bad idea in terms of uh, water leakage from the second floor? Not at all. Or, no. It, it, as long okay. as you you know do all the stuff to watertight it, you're fine. Now, when you when oh, you're doing okay. a, a walk-in shower like that, you can get a, a pre-made base. The, I mean, that's going to be just as secure as a bathtub. Alrighty, and um, if if I suspect a water leak behind a uh, an interior wall behind a shower um, fixture, it, what's the best way to determine if there is a leak in there? I, I you know the, the, my suspicion is that maybe a small uh, slow leak, dripping type leak. Yeah, if that's the case, uh, is there sheetrock on the backside of where the valve is? Yes, there is. Open it up. And if it's that's something that can be somewhat way. hidden, you can put an access panel on it. And uh, I'm going to put you on hold for just a second, and uh, we'll come back to this. And I was talking with Mike, and Mike, you there still? I'm still here. Okay. So a walk-in shower, you got two choices. One is to go with a 
man-made base, and then you can put whatever sides up you want. Uh, that's going to be a solid base. Don't have to worry about leakage or anything. The other would be if you build a base, and to do that, you have your drain. You ha you put in a mortar bed sloping towards the drain. Then they put in a rubber liner and then another mortar on top of that still sloping towards the drain. And, you know, again, you put your tile on and stuff, and so you, you've, you've got two different directions you can go. The only thing I, I would ask you is, will you still have a bathtub in the house? Uh, yeah, there will be, there will be one, um, well, there's two bathtubs upstairs. I could either do one of them or, or both. And then there's, there's a, uh, a jacuzzi tub downstairs. Okay. And the only reason I ask that, if you ever go to sell the house, uh, yeah, good point. Yeah. You, you, you got to have at least one bathtub. So it, okay. it's no big deal to take one out and and turn it into a walk-in shower, but do make sure that you keep at least one bathtub. Okay, and that's uh, that's kind of a question I was going to ask is, have you seen a trend to, to replacing uh, whether new or existing construction for bathtubs upstairs to be replaced uh, with walk-in showers? Because, re uh, you know, reselling the house is a possibility. Yeah. I haven't seen a trend of that. What the bigger trend is, is to have a separate sh tub and shower. Uh, okay. And so they have a walk-in shower and a tub. That's in the master bedrooms, though. In the right, right. secondary bedrooms, it's not uncommon for it to be strictly a a shower, a walk-in shower. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I do appreciate it. Thank you very much. You bet. Good luck, Mike. Thank oh, thank hey, we were talking, one more thing, we were talking on that shower valve. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to open up the sheetrock on the backside, and what I would recommend, is it is that in a closet or something where it's not visible? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and I, there was a little bit of separation, you know, down the baseboard down in on the uh, on the opposite wall was kind of looked like it was expanding and separating and the caulking on the you know on the uh the quarter round and all that yeah. so that's the only reason I really suspected a leak. Okay. Well, when you open it up before you cut into it, go to uh, even the box stores have them and, and buy an access panel. They're made of plastic okay. and and you can cut it to fit and it sl just slides into your sheetrock. It's made to go into the sheetrock's uh, walls, and that way you'll have yeah. a permanent access where you can get in and out, and it's just a, a plastic cover that goes over it. It'll clear the valve inside? Yes. Yeah, it'll clear the valve inside, but uh, that way if you ever have to go back in, you, you've got a way in. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. You know, I had somebody ask me, actually yesterday, about buying a new house. And, you know, everybody always wants to buy a new house versus buying a fixer-upper. Uh, well, the question is always, which is better? And so during the show today, that's one of the topics we'll we'll talk about a little bit is buying fixer-upper versus buying new. Now, if you're doing an investment property, I'm going to tell you up front, that fixer-upper is always going to be better. And people always think that they make their money in the rehab. That's not where your money's made. 
your money's made in the deal you make buying the property. And then the increase in value when you sell it. That's where your money's made. When you're doing the rehab, you want to make that, especially if you're going to sell it right away again, make it as nice as possible, you know, within within budgetary reasons. But if, if you rehab and go with the cheapest products you can get, you will have a cheap house that won't sell. You've got to do them right. But like I say, this is something that we'll talk about throughout the show. Again, I'd prefer to take your calls and answer questions. So 1-800-288-9227. That's 1-800-288-9227. So what is cheaper to buy? Well, typically the fixer-upper is going to be cheaper to buy initially. Now, you're going to have work to do to fix it up and renovate it and get it the way you want it. So buying the right fixer-up can be critical. If you're going to be living in the home, look for a fixer-upper that you can move in the way it is and do the renovations while living there. That's going to be your cheapest long-term way of doing it because you're not paying for another payment or rent somewhere else while you're doing the rehab. Um, a lot of times people will say, oh, I, I just want to buy a, a house that's already fixed up or already uh, I want to buy a new house so I don't have to mess with all that stuff. You know, there's a big difference between buying a new house and buying a house that's been renovated. The biggest difference is when you buy a, a new house, a lot of times the yard's not in yet. You've got no window coverings. You've got a lot of different things that you've got to get and buy for the house right out the gate. And so you think you're moving into something that's already done up and, and ready for you. Just move your furniture in, sit down, and you're done. And that's really not the case. If that's what you're looking for, you're looking for a house that's already been renovated. Everything is done. You move your furniture in. You're finished. The window coverings are done. The yard is in. Landscaping is done. Everything is ready to go. So that's going to be your biggest difference between buying new and buying something that's been fixed up. Your best investment dollar-wise a lot of times is that fixer-upper though because then you're fixing it up exactly the way you want it. And for first-time home buyers, a lot of times they're able to buy more house for their money. You can get into a an area that, you know, a lot of times you just can't even buy a new home. Let's face it, typically newer neighborhoods, newer homes are further out of town. And so if you're wanting something close into town, you're typically getting an older home. So that's where you're going to be deciding you want to fix your upper or something somebody else has already done. And remember, like I said at the beginning here, uh, the, don't buy cheap products when you're redoing the house. Well, when you're buying something that someone else renovated, you want to take a look at how did they do that renovation. Uh, now, sometimes if you're going to be doing a renovation, you've got to borrow the money to do the renovation when you finance the house, or you can do a refi or a cash out after you buy the house. Now, I'm going to... I'll use my house as an example. When I I bought the house I'm in, uh, let's see, 17 years ago. And we bought the house. First thing we were going to do is renovations. Well, 
I didn't borrow the money to do renovations. We did the renovations, and then I went and did a cash out instead of doing a home improvement loan. And a lot of times people don't understand the difference between doing a cash out and a home improvement loan. On a home improvement loan, typically a contractor has to go and sign for the loan. Uh, the the bank itself or the mortgage company cannot do a home improvement loan unless a contractor signs off saying they're doing this work. Now, if you're going to do the work yourself, which is what I did on my own home, that's the reason I went and did all my renovations. And then I just did a cash out in order to get the funds back into my accounts where I wanted it. And so that's, that is your options. Once you've done a cash out, it's always a cash out in Texas. Now, so if you're listening to us in another state, other states are different. But in Texas, that's the way it goes. So just some little things for you to keep in mind when it comes to looking at home. We're going to go to Jack in spring. And he says, previous homeowner laid tile on a second story bathroom. All grout has cracked because floor is too flexible. What should I put down before I install new tile? Cement board, plywood, and the thickness. Well, here's the deal. The cement board doesn't give it any strength as far as flexibility. Cement board doesn't have structural strength to it. So typically what you're going to put down is plywood. And normally what you're looking for is a total thickness of inch and a quarter to inch and a half. So what you got to do is just look at what you got there. If there's half inch plywood down, add a three quarter inch plywood on top, you're good to go. And it really is that simple. Uh, now, what I would typically recommend if you want to make sure that you're not going to have a moisture issue with the tile and everything, and it here adheres real well, I would put that uh, inch or three-quarter inch, rather, plywood down and then top it with a quarter inch of backer board. That gives you a nice surface then to put your tile down on. And that will rigid it up. The biggest problem is, you know, a lot of times that half inch or three quarter inch plywood that they put down just isn't thick enough. And like you said, you walk in between the floor joists, you get a little bit of give. When you get give, you've got an issue because now it's going to break the tile. Or in your case, it broke the grout lines. But regardless, we got to stiffen it up and, and make it last longer that way. So that should get you taken care of with it, and then you can go over to floor and decor and get you some new tile and get it done up the way it should be. It just comes from Gail in the Colony. Hey, Jim, love your show. My bedroom floor floods from the outside wall when we have a hard-blowing rain. Do you know what could cause that? In the past, our electrical outlet in the bathroom on the same wall would go out when it rained, and I'd have to reset the breaker. Although that hasn't happened in quite a while, don't know what changed to stop that from happening. Not sure if that is connected in any way to the other problems. Thanks again for your show. Uh, Gail, I'll tell you what, I bet it is. And I'll bet you what's happened is your insulation in the wall has gotten wet so many times and so wet that it's sagged down to the bottom and is separated from where that electrical plug is now. And so I think you've got a water leak higher up, and it's saturating everything in the wall. 
you're going to have to get this checked out and addressed, and I think you're going to probably end up having to open the wall. Uh, I'm betting you got some type of wood siding, uh, the old masonite stuff probably on the outside, and that's more than likely what you're going to have to open up and repair everything. Uh, if there's a window up above, that would be the likely culprit that's leaking, but like I said, I think that's going to be a critical thing because if that outlet was shorting out and now it's not, that gives me an indication the water's not sitting at that spot any longer, and that's why I think the insulation has disappeared. This is from Linda, and she says, We built new home with 18-seer train unit, been in a year and a half. What is the max filters I should use? We have 12 MERV and was told greater than MERV 8 would burn the unit up. Please provide. Thank you. Well, actually, I don't have enough information to tell you what size you can use. And the reason I say that, it depends on how big your system is and how big your return area is. Because if you've got a uh, system that's drawing a lot of air and you choke it down with too tight of MERV or too small of return, yeah, you can burn up the unit. Uh, the bigger thing it's going to do, though, is make it less efficient. It usually doesn't burn it up unless you really choke it down, but it does make it less efficient. And so there's a big difference between if you got a you know, 16 by 20 return versus a 24 by 24 return that the air is going through. The bigger, the better, because there's less resistance then. And the tighter the, the MERV you put, obviously, the more resistance. That's what really wreaks havoc with systems. Now, along with that return size, you got to have a big enough duct going back to the unit as well. But uh, normally, that's not the huge issue because typically where the return area is is right there where the unit is. So uh, I, what I would do is tell you to talk with your AC guy who's servicing your unit and find out you know, what he says you can get away with. 18 sear is a good rating. I mean, I tell people right now, buy between 16 and 18 sear. Uh, and like I said, I know a lot of people are worried about the virus right now, and so they're wanting to tighten up on on uh, the size filters they're using in order to try to filter bacteria out of the air, that's usually not the way to do it. Uh, you want to filter dust and stuff out of the air, that's fine. But if, if you're really wanting to get into cleaning the air of the viruses and stuff, uh, quite frankly, that's where the UV lights come in. And the UV light manufacturers are just now starting to say some of them will kill the coronavirus but none of them are guaranteeing it yet so all that's still being uh, tested and questioned but talk with your your ac maintenance person if you don't have one you got a year and a half old system you really want to get one because you want to have that system serviced twice a year to keep it working the way it's supposed to very critical to longevity of the ac system don hey how are you today Hi. How can I help you? Well, thank you. The reason for my call, I've got a kitchen that <clears throat> the house was built in 1976. 
And the cabinets are the original cabinets, along with all of the layout. What I'm wanting to know is, it is, is do you think it is worth it for me to put fifteen, twenty thousand dollars into ripping those cabinets out, reflooring the whole thing, which would mean remodeling the kitchen completely, or should I just go ahead and do the countertop? Paint the original cabinets because they are the original wood cabinets. They're not cheap. They're wood. They're not like fiberboard. Right. Um, should, and they've got several layers of paint on them, Jim. Um, should I just repaint them again? I've lived in this home 20 years. Or should I just pull them out and... Or should I even resurface them? I know that can be messy and expensive, too. Well, and that's what I was just going to ask you about. I, just, so, I don't know what to do. So let me ask you a couple quick questions, then. The first question is, do you like the layout of the kitchen? If I had thirty dollars to $50,000, I would change the whole layout. Okay. But, no, uh, but it works. It just, it's not the perfect way I would like it, sure. but what's perfect. Even if I remodeled it, I probably wouldn't like it. There'd always be something. Yep. Uh, now, is, is, is this a galley kitchen, or, or is it uh, got a shape to it? It's got a shape to it. It has an island in the middle with a stove top. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cute. So, for yeah, so, yeah it, so you're, you're not that top. you're not that far out of out of step with what people would be doing nowadays then. I mean, you got the island. Uh, it's not just a straight galley kitchen. So, uh, you know, honestly, if you've got good frames, good wood cabinets and frames and everything, what you might want to consider if you if you want to upgrade the looks is to resurface and have new doors made. Okay. Uh, now, but that uh, that brings back another question: What what do your doors look like right now? I mean, are they just a a flat plywood door, or is it carved no, out? They're wood, they're wood doors with a carving. They're an inlaid carving with a double tongue. Okay. They're not boring. That's why I've just kept painting over them. Yeah. I I got to be and honest. Putting new knobs on them. I yeah. Put I, new I, knobs I, on them. I, I, and that's what I was just going to say. I I, I got to be honest. I mean, if they've if they've got a, a nice te, uh, layout to the cabinet doors and everything, if they're if if they don't bother you, why replace them? Right. Strip the, strip the cabinets down, repaint them, and and be done with it. What's a popular color? I hear gray is real popular. White's hard to keep clean. I know that for a fact. It um, is, but you know, the grays have been real popular now for a couple years, and things are starting to trend back to white again. Okay. I want to hang on to the house for a while, and I, and I notice that when I get the urge to do something, like paint, it stays on there for five to seven years before I get around to doing it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, painting them into the grays, there's nothing wrong with that. But keep in mind what the colors are in the rest of your house. Because right. if if you've got bright colors elsewhere and you go with grays in the, in the kitchen, it's going to make it look a little bit bland. 
Right. Uh, what do the, you think about doing the top cabinets white and the island a darker gray or black or something? Because I've seen that in the in the design magazine. Very stylish again. Do you and, think it's a trend? Uh, it, white never goes completely out of style. Right, but having the island a different color. Uh, you know, I, pers- I personally like that because it gives it a little bit of uh, pizzazz to the kitchen. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the, thing, the thing that's going to make the big difference on that is what do you do with the floor? Because I know. Your, your floor's got to tie it all together. And so uh-huh. that's where you're going to want to make sure, you know, whatever tile or whatever type of flooring you use can blend your colors together. I know, and then I can go crazy because what I've got in there now is porcelain. From day one, I put it down and went, oh, I made a huge mistake because it chips real easily, cracks real easily. It's a mess. I mean, it's been now a good 10, 12 years. I'm ready to rip it up. I was ready to rip it up when I put it down. (laughs) So now I'm thinking that luxury vinyl, but I don't know if it would work well in the kitchen because if I did it, I'd do it all over where I've got Gerber carpet. I'd just do all. It it actually works great. Great. Now, in the flooring, should I go, like, what's best? A real wood-looking look like a like a blonde wood or my house is small yeah about 1800 square feet so that's why i tend to go with a lighter yep and and the 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 wood look the wood look is in it's it's big time in on the floors again now the the block paneling on the walls is not but on the floors wood is king right now uh as far as the look of wood uh and quite frankly uh, uh, real wood floors are always in, but uh, right. the laminates and and things like that are what's really hot right now, uh, uh-huh. and they're not that expensive. They're really reasonably priced. Yeah. Anne has a an issue where her water pressure has gone down, and they're telling her she needs to replace the pipe. And Anne, let me make sure I, I got it clear. You have a, a sudden drop mm-hmm. in the water pressure. It wasn't like it was a gradual, correct? Right, it was a sudden drop. Yeah. And how long have you had a water softener? Uh, so we've had one probably, uh, t- the first one we probably had about eight years, but we just we just got uh, a brand new one. Okay. Okay, so you've had uh, softened water going through your pipes then for a long time in the home. Yes, yes. Okay, and... Did you say you've been having some leaks here and there, or you have not had any issues with that in no. the home? No, uh-uh. Okay. We just, periodically, when we've um, done remodeling, we have replaced the some of the galvanized pipes. Okay. And the reason, I was, the reason I was asking about that, water softeners do a great job of cleaning out the pipes and keeping them cleaned. Uh, even okay. if even if you've got pipes that have some buildup and and gunk in them, water softeners will tend to flush them out. And so, if you haven't been having any leak issues, honestly, I wouldn't get in a big hurry about replacing those pipes. Uh, now, the water main—that's uh-huh. before the water softener, and Correct. that pipe probably. You know, if it's been given an issue, you know, that may need to be replaced. But it's it's not that expensive to get one of those replaced. 
but I don't think that's going to fix your problem either. Because the fact that it happened suddenly like that tells me something broke mm -hmm. loose and it's just lodged somewhere. And okay, so that is kind of what we, we thought about that. Yeah. Now, is it on both the hot and cold water side that you're having the issue? Yes. Okay. Uh, and the reason I'm asking that is a lot of hot water heaters, uh, people are going to call and complain because I said hot water heater. Okay, a lot of water heaters, uh, oh. <laughs> they, they have a screen before the water heater, and that will sometimes okay. get debris in it and slow the hot water side down. If it's on both sides, the likely spot for it to be is actually in the valving uh, and stuff. Either where the water comes into the house, there's a shutoff valve that can have a, a blockage on it, or since you just had a new system put in, it can be right there where it's going into the new system. Even though the system's working properly, if something well, dislodged, it can block it there. Well, it, it's it's also on the outside faucets, and that water is not softened, so that uh, kind of narrows it that down. That narrows it down then, so it's more than likely going to be, because they probably shut the water off either at the meter yeah. or at the that valve. That's mm -hmm. where it's more than likely going to be then, is is either the meter or the valve itself. Can, can uh, do plumbing companies just replace that valve? They Honestly, do. That whole piece going into the house needs to be replaced. It's it's a rusty mess. Yeah, and and if that is, you know, they do replace them. A lot of times they're going to say, just like the plumber who came out there, though, we really need to replace the whole line all the way out to the meter. Mm -hmm. And it, it's going to depend on how bad it is, but you know, that's okay. not uncommon to have to do that. All right. Um, okay, that answers my question. She says, I hired a plumber to replace a leaking bathtub valve. I did not realize until the job was complete that they had installed a water-saving device. The tub faucet has a very low flow. Can the restrictor be removed, or will the entire valve need to be replaced again? Thank you. Uh, truthfully, I don't know if the restrictor can be removed. I can tell you this much, though. Any new faucets that you buy, any new toilets you buy, are all water-saving devices nowadays. Uh, and the plumber doesn't have the option to get you stuff that's not. So if you have old stuff that's still high flow and you want to keep it, have it repaired rather than replaced. Now, as far as uh, restrictors, usually shower heads, you can remove the restrictors pretty easily. Uh, you just unscrew it from the pipe up there, and the restrictors can can come out fairly easily. Uh, the bathtub faucet usually isn't quite as easy. Um, so, and it's really going to just depend on on the brand and the type. But in general, I'm going to say probably not. You probably don't have a way to increase that volume. So, you may be stuck with that low flow. And and, it, and I'm I'm I agree with you. It makes no sense. I can somewhat understand it in a shower, but in a bathtub, you turn the water on to fill the tub. It's kind of like a kitchen sink. Why do you want a low flow on a kitchen sink? You turn it on to fill the sink. But our government, in their infinite wisdom, decided we didn't need that much water, so uh, they decided to put those restrictors in there.
So, you know, I, I talked about this yesterday about sh uh, shortage on building materials and stuff. And uh, I saw another article and it was related to Lowe's and Home Depot, actually. And it says, will the worsening lumber shortage derail Home Depot and Lowe's? They've seen an uptick uh, and in their sales. And, you know, Home Depot had a 7% increase. Lowe's had an 11% increase in sales but both of them are running out of lumber as well and it ties back to the fact that they weren't cutting trees down the sawmills were closing down and and weren't producing the lumber and i think it's more that they were allowed to they were classed as essential workers but i think people thought that uh, the the building boom was going to slow down people weren't going to be doing a whole lot and as people have been sitting at home, they're looking at their house and saying, I can do this project. And they've been going out and buying up all the lumber. And so right now, they're having to start cutting lumber again, processing it, treating it, doing all the stuff that they need to do to get it back out into the marketplace. And they weren't expecting that. They were sending everybody home because of COVID and just uh, thinking that, this stuff was going to go real slow, and instead, there's been a spike in remodeling and such. So, you know, if, if you're looking for building materials, you can expect to be paying a little bit more for it. And, you know, because of this, stock has been going up. Home Depot's up 24% this year. Uh, so Lowe's is up 28%. Pretty good increases. But so are the charges for buying all this building You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.